As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. If you're easily offended, this show may not be for you. But if you're into that weird fun sh- you've come to the right place. You've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I'm the believer. <laughs> I'm Cody. I'm the skeptic. <laughs> okay, stories. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to BSP Believer Skeptic Podcast. The podcast where two idiots debate weird phenomena. I'm Chris. I'm the believer. I'm Cody. I'm the skeptic. And if this is your first time listening to us, we are an LGBTQ paranormal comedy podcast and proud members of the Podmoth Network. And this is a full episode. episode. Yay. <laughs> so if this is your first time listening, um, we bring you every other week a paranormal topic where we share stories, information, Fun stuff, and then Chris talks about why people believe, and then I debunk it. Yeah, so before we get into our topic, we'll just quickly uh, go over a, a few things. Announcement. Uh, yeah, announcements. First of all, this is a week late, um, which it brings it closer to Easter, so that'll make sense when we say our topic. But anyways, <laughs> a mean? week late just because a lot of personal stuff um, on all around and... With that being said, um, this will be our last episode for a, a minute, for probably about a month. And then after that, we're kind of not sure where we're at uh, because I have a potential, I don't want to jinx it, so I won't say what it is yet. But Opportunity. A potential opportunity. That's that, huge. That is huge that I will know about at the end of the month, which will take precedence and take up a lot of my time. So. Yep. And at the same time, yeah. um, in two weeks, I'm actually, <clears throat> excuse me, clearing my throat, um, hitting the road for three months. I'm just going to drive. And so with his opportunity and me not knowing where I might be any given week to be able to sit down and record, we decided that, hey, maybe it's time that, you know, for this, like 
the span. Yeah. Instead of delivering crappy content that's late or sounds awful or whatever or it's half-assed, let's let's take a little break. Yeah, and with that, we'll make a full kind of announcement and post it here in a couple of weeks. But just want to give you a heads up real quick. Um, but yeah, this will be the last time you'll be hearing us for a little bit. Our next one is going to be, like I said, in a month. We are actually doing a live live to us because we will be recording it live and then it will be streamed next month uh, for um, a, f- a 20, 000, uh, 2022 festival uh, called uh, Arizona Theater Matters. And we're the only podcast um, that is part of that that happens May 19th through the 22nd. Yeah, and it was supposed to be live well, yeah, live but, but because of covid going and... up and down they decided to just do it streaming so yeah um but we'll post an update on that and then again um more to come in announcements um in a couple of weeks yeah so, exactly so thank you all for sharing with us this isn't goodbye this is just a a long hiatus and while we figure out what we're gonna do yeah and we have so many episodes out that maybe this is gives an opportunity for newer listeners to get caught up and yeah all the things but with that said let's focus on this week or this episode which was supposed to come out last week but that's okay um as i said i just gave a hint that it's well we actually said in the mini so that it's easter oh yeah it's easter (laughs) so i guess it's not a surprise so oh okay well then i guess so our topic is easter (laughs) yes and we left it very wide open intentionally so it'll be very interesting. Yeah, because we wanted a, a potential wide range of stories, and I think we got it. I did find one where my second story really could be its own episode because yeah. there's so much to it. But um, I'll talk a little bit about it, and if somewhere down the line it comes back, if it resurrects, <laughs> then it will. All right. So with that, drinks? Yeah. <laughs> What's that look on your face? Oh, God. You're going to think that I did the biggest rationale in history. And you probably did. I did, but it actually is really, really true. All right. Should I do mine first? Yes. All right. Mine, it's not a rationale. It just doesn't really relate in the sense, but it sort of does. I was just looking up uh, Easter like mocktails or non-alcoholic drinks, and this came up as a spring-like drink, and it's a... Strawberry basil limeade. So I made strawberry basil uh, simple syrup, mixed it with fresh lime juice, and put in uh, soda water and cucumber. It looks amazing. Yeah. It's fresh and springy and Eastery. Yeah. You should have put an egg in it to, to really there drive it home. Drinks with eggs like pisco. Oh, yeah. Sours. You know, anyways, what is yours? You're, you're, uh, okay. lo- you're lollygagging. No judgment. Okay. <laughs> You're going to be like, oh, Lord. So there really is a saying that my family, that, that, that Catholics do on Christmas, that uh-huh. on Christmas, <laughs> on Easter, uh-huh. and my mom used to do, and she'd walk around the house, and you say, what one person says is, Christ is risen, and then the other person has to say back, truly, he is risen. So you got basic bitch truly to do. Yay! <laughs> because truly... He is risen, oh. and apparently he rose into a giant 40. <laughs> All right, so I heard this on another podcast I ha- the other day, but I have to confirm it, but this is just, I have to re-listen to it to confirm that this is the correct terminology, but I heard a new term that perfectly describes you, and even more now. What? It's a gay term called a golden retriever gay. 
But you, do you know my new nickname? A golden retriever. So like. um, the, a group of friends that I have, um, and you know them, they months ago say that I have golden retriever energy. Yeah. And that's what they always refer because I'm so like, what? I listen to this gay podcast. And again, I have to re-listen to that section to make sure I got the term right. But I believe it was golden retriever. So gay. what is the, right, the reason behind basically it? basically a gay basic white bitch. Mm. <laughs> that's nice like a golden retriever but that is a, a synchronicity because again that's my that's my my thing golden i will retriever correctly look up that term but i believe that's what it was you're a golden retriever gay i will gladly own golden retriever gay and this truly is really Basic white i have never liked truly very much or now you have to drink the whole 40 oh my god it's huge that's <laughs> it barely fits said. in my hand <laughs> yeah <laughs> Anyhow, so history? History, yeah. I'm curious about what you're going to talk about. Well, since you stole my idea of Easter traditions in last time's minisode, I had, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to take a different angle. Uh, so my history is a little all over the place. Um, Easter, as most people know, is a Christian celebration that celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ after his crucifixion, specifically three days after his crucifixion. Celebration concludes the Passion of Christ, this being a number of events and holidays that start on Lent and last for 40 days. So Easter is always celebrated in the spring here in the West, but always falls on a different day. I always wonder why, and now I have an answer. It is because Easter always falls on the first Sunday after the first full moon following the spring equinox. Or equinox. I actually knew that. I did not. Yay! So again, pagan ties. No, oh, that's true. That is true. That being said, in Western Christianity, Easter always falls on Sunday between March 22nd and April 25th. And in Easter Orthodox Christianity, it falls between April 4th and May 8th. May 8th? That's yeah. late. Yeah. Because this year it's on the 17th of April, and that's considered really late. Yeah. For all, so we must be in the first group. Yeah. And you, as you might have guessed, like I said, um, Easter has evolved over time to include both Christian and pagan elements. For many, spring means a return to life as plants and trees bloom again, as well as am- animals coming out of hibernation. Or get- <laughs> Salud. Bless me. <laughs> Sorry. As well as animals coming out of hibernation or giving birth to new offspring. Unless, like us who live in Phoenix, it means the heat is rising and the AC will come out pretty soon if it didn't already. That's true. Although Chris is trying to become with child. Uh, what? <laughs> I don't know. What does that have to do with anything? It's new life. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> uh, with the resurrection being about a rebirth, it makes sense for Easter to take place in spring. Now, where did the name Easter come from? This I don't know. It goes back to the pagan goddess in England, Eoster. E-O-S-T-E-R. Oh. I may be pronouncing it wrong, but whose celebration coincided with the beginning of spring. According to one scholar, quote, even though Christians began affirming the Christian meaning of the celebration, they continue to use the name of the goddess to des- designate the season, unquote. So the actual name Easter is a pagan name. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, try telling that to some Christians. I'm sure they will. I'm telling my sister today, and, she'll, and I'm going to see what she, she says. She'll probably scream at you. She's going to go, Aah! Others have said that Easter comes from the Latin in albis, which translates to dawns, like morning dawn. Oh, okay. Uh, which uh, which was later translated into Iaterum in Old High German. Although many English-speaking countries call it Easter, in some cultures they, the same celebration is called Passover, which of course refers to the Jewish festival of the same name. 
You see, the Last Supper was essentially a Passover feast, and Jesus' arrest and execution were said to have occurred during the Jewish observance of Passover. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, um, if this were a Venn diagram, there would be some overlap there, obviously. <laughs> Aside from the name, there are some other Easter time traditions that have pre-Christian roots. As such, many non-Christians will observe some of these traditions, minus the religious as- uh, aspects, like Easter rabbits. Uh, where do they come from? Well, their origin as it relates to Easter are a little muddy, muddy, but some historians have said that the Easter bunny was brought to America by German immigrants who settled in Pennsylvania in the 1700s. You see, the Germans had a tradition in which Easter, uh, where rabbits lay eggs called Osterhase. Osterhase. Yeah. In that tradition, the kids would make nests so the mystical or mythical rabbit could lay colored eggs. Oh, that's why you make the little nests of hay. Yeah. Okay. Also, rabbits being horny as all get out were seen as a symbol of fertility and new life and thus associated with the rebirth of Uh. uh, spring and by association, Easter. And then in comes capitalism. And in addition to the eggs and Easter bunnies, you get... Uh, peeps and a bunch of other things that are not associated with Easter. And are also disgusting. Uh, yeah. And then uh, so much so that after Halloween, Easter is the second best candy selling holiday. Even more than Christmas? Yep. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. And aside from the German tradition, why eggs? Eggs have been part of pagan traditions for hundreds of years as a symbol of new life. When Christians took this tradition as their own, to them the eggs are said to represent Jesus' emergence from the tomb and and resurrection. As for decorating and dyeing eggs, this tradition goes back to the 1200s. One theory is that at one time, eggs were forbidden uh, during Lent. Because of this, people would decorate the eggs to mark the end of the period of penance and fasting and then eat them come Easter. Oh, cool. Aside from eggs, there's a lot of symbolism in other Easter foods. In some cultures, lamb is traditionally eaten on Easter and also for Passover. Reason is that the lambs were often sacrificed in Jewish traditions. Also, Jesus is often called Lamb of God for the belief that he also sacrificed himself for the good of humanity. And there you have some randomness about Easter and its symbolism. Very cool. I yeah. actually didn't know a lot of that stuff. <laughs> Eels the tag. I, um, so basically, every single... Thing in Easter is a, is basically a symbol for new life. Yeah, that's what I gather. Yeah. Every little thing you talked about, which means new life, which means new life, which means new life, except for chocolate, which means new life. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Okay, or or I used to love the popcorn bunnies. I love popcorn bunnies. With those weird candy yeah. eye that, that I would just eat off the eye. Oh god, I would just throw that away. Oh no, it's I so eat, hard. I, yeah, you know, I was the weird kid. I hate milk chocolate so when you get those giant milk chocolate bunnies i would just give it away or oh, not eat it i hate it black licorice so those black oh, licorice those uh, jelly devil. beans yeah. bleh, gross. the devil those symbolize new death <laughs> so i'm glad that chris mentioned a little bit about passover because it really does tie in with easter oh i didn't know you were going to talk about this what <laughs> oh that's acting huh yes wow acting 101 and i fell for it I was about to be like, I sent you a text last night, and like start reading it. Anyway, um, when the Passover holiday begins on the evening of April 25th, April 25th, April 15th uh-huh. this year, Jewish people around the world will celebrate by retelling the biblical story of the exodus from Egypt, mm-hmm. um, including the 10 plagues that God inflicted on the ancient Egyptians. So as just in case people don't know, as the Passover story tells it, 
After the Egyptian pharaoh refuses Moses' entreaties to let the enslaved Israelites free, because they're slaves, so, you know, let my people go, mm-hmm. God sends a series of ten plagues to pressure the Egyptian ruler. Each time, the pharaoh's like, oh, yeah, okay, I promise they can go. But then, like, the next day, he's like, oh, I slept on it and just kidding, because I like having slaves doing all my shit for me. <laughs> so then another plague comes, another plague one, until the last one. Mm-hmm. And that's the one where the pharaoh's finally like, okay. So the plagues are water turning to blood, frogs, lice, flies, livestock, pestilence, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and then the final one was the killing of all the firstborn children in Egypt. Okay. I was like, the first nine just sound like a regular weekend at Anvil, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Or in Chris's bedroom. Gross. So I admit, like, all that stuff. I Like, as an adult, I thought this story wasn't really true. I mean, all these plagues and then an angel of death that goes from house to house killing the people. It's a metaphor, I guess, depending on who you speak to. True. But then after that, once the Pharaoh does let the people go, remember that on top of that, Moses parts the Red Sea in order for them to escape. You know, and and the Red Sea, y'all, is huge. And if you want an entertaining version of this, watch The Prince of Egypt because it's an awesome awesome movie. I still love it. And the music is amazing. Well, we always watched the old Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments Commandments, when I was a kid. So however, though, my sister was talking to me about a podcast that's Catholic that she was listening to. And the guy actually found and explained scientifically how there's evidence that all of these plagues could have happened. And there's actual proof to it. So it got me curious, and I went on researching, and I found a really, really interesting explanation. Because here's the thing. I've read before, like, this one thing can explain the, the river turning to blood. This one thing could explain the frogs. This, And it's like, so all ten of these things all had to happen at the same time in order for this to, you know, to happen. It seemed just far-fetched. But this is one single event that could explain it all. Over how long um, I don't know. So the theory argues, though, that the plagues were the result of a volcanic eruption on the island of Santorini in the south of Greece around 1600 BC. Okay. Microbiologist Ciro Trevisanato, author of an entire book about this, argues that ancient Egyptian medical texts support this idea. Mm-hmm. So here's what he says. Winds would have carried the volcanic ash to Egypt at some point over the summer. And the toxic acids in the volcanic ash would have included the mineral cinnabar, which could very well have been capable of turning a river a blood-like red color. Boom. The accumulated acidity in the water would have caused the frogs to leap out and search for clean water. Frogs. Insects would have burrowed eggs in the bodies of dead animals and human survivors which generated larvae and then adult insects. So there we have bugs and lice and all that shit. Mm. Then the volcanic ash in the atmosphere would have affected the weather with acid rain landing on people's skin, which in turn could have caused boils. Boom, another one. The grass would have been contaminated, poisoning the animals that ate it. Dead livestock. Mm. The humidity from the rain and the subsequent hail would have created optimal conditions for locusts to thrive. Another one. Volcanic eruptions could also have explained the several days of darkness because of all the ash in the sky. That right there alone explains nine of the ten plagues. So you're just one volcanic eruption. You're debunking the Bible. So, well, (laughs) no. And I'll get into a little bit into the debunk because here's the thing. Doesn't matter how it happened as long as it happened and it resulted in the Pharaoh letting the people go. Because my thinking that was God could have said, 
I'm erupting this volcano and I know it's going to cause all this shit because I'm God and I'm omnipotent and the Egyptians are going to think it's curses and stuff and they're going to let my people go. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's how my mom, my mom was a very scientific Catholic and she was like, if science can explain religion, that's great as long as this stuff still happened. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, but if you're really listening, that doesn't explain the weirdest I was of the listening. Plagues. I know. <laughs> that was actually written in my notes. <laughs> so that's for all the listeners, not Chris. There's still the deaths of the aerocratic firstborn. Now, for people who don't know the specifics, what happened is, is basically God said, um, paint the doorposts in lamb's blood. So yep. that's another reason for the lamb. And if you paint your, your doorpost in lamb's blood, my angel of death will pass over and spare your household. And of course, the Egyptians wouldn't have done that. Only the slaved Israelites. Mm-hmm. And so all the firstborn were killed. So how do you explain this with a volcanic eruption? Well, Trevisanato <laughs> also found an Egyptian account of the children of aristocrats lying dead in public. And there's archaeological data to match that account. He believes that amid all of this destruction from the volcanic eruption, firstborn children could have been sacrificed out of desperation in the hopes that a meaningful mm-hmm. sacrifice would lead to the Egyptian gods to stop punishing them. Because they're seeing all this sense. shit happening, yeah. and they don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. So, bam. You have all ten explained. So, then what about the Red Sea? You have the final miracle. <laughs> yeah. Well, an oceanographer from Florida State said that it might have been caused by something called the wind set-down effect, which is this. As the wind blows, water recedes from the upwind shore and actually can expose terrain that was formerly underwater. Um, the, oh, terrain. I thought you said two rain. Oh, two rain. <laughs> <laughs> um, the country terrain or whatever. Um, that's a city. Um, the, the, arche- the oceanographer said that it may have exposed an underwater ridge in the Dead Sea that the Israelites could have walked along. So there you have it. An explanation all- of all of the plagues and all the miracles. Well, yes, these exclama- explanations are all plausible, but like... For all it to happen as it did is just way too coincidental. It's a lot. Especially like with the seas parting and like, yeah. Yes. And that's why I'd always thought. Because like if it, like say if it happened over like a 10 year period, yeah. one thing happened a year, a lot, lot more plausible than 10 weeks. Even, yes. You know, but maybe with this volcano thing happened, that could have really expedited things, you know, like the volcano, all of that stuff could have happened within See, one I'm, summer. I'm, I'm the, being the non-believer. Here. I know. And, and, and I, I, that's why I think this is so interesting. Cause again, like you'd said, it's all co- so coincidental whenever you had the, like there was a, a theory that the red, that red algae could have caused the blood yeah, appearance, yeah, yeah. but then you have to have 10 different effects all happening for all yeah, this to be, exactly. but this is just a volcano that has all of these butterfly effects. Go back and look at a previous episode of Butterfly Effects. <laughs> That's insane. Yep. All right. Go for it. I know you're going to have an insane story today. Uh, not the first one. Not the first one? My okay. First story, so this, is your, this is boring. No, my first story is creepy. Um, one that comes from my trusty old website, Your Ghost Story, which I haven't used in a while. Uh, this story was posted in 2013 by a poster in Texas. Oh. So let me know if you know where this place is because I looked it up. She says... My family lived out in the middle of nowhere called the Uvalde Estates. <gasps> it's about an hour Sorry. from San Antonio. <gasps> no, I don't know where Or Corpus at. Christi. <gasps> in that area. Wait. San Antonio is like six hours from oh, Corpus Christi. Oh, is it? Christi. Okay. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. That's it's, okay. <laughs> it's about an hour away from San Antonio. It's really close to Phoenix and Canada. <laughs> it's no. It, 
says the text and you should know where it's at. I know where San Antonio's at. Go. <laughs> okay. Our neighbors were far away. The only neighbors we had at the time were the ones to the right, but nobody lived there anymore. We also had uh, our neighbors across the street, but his wife and him were going uh, gone the majority of the time. Nowadays, there are more houses and people around the location we used to live at. My middle sister and I always had this little, this little silent talk. Like we both knew better not to investigate the footsteps because we will not see anything at the end. We hear a noise. We run. We never speak about the noises we, should, uh, we would hear to each other or anyone. We just ignored everything and tried to forget everything. She is only a year older than I am, but even then she was my little protector. Minus the noises, she would not wait on me at all. <laughs> she would be gone as fast as lightning. I was six years old. My bus, bus driver dropped my middle sister and I off at our house. We were both wearing our Easter dresses. I remember I had a yellow Easter basket full of candy, and my sister had a pink one full of candy as well. We waved our bus driver, Dennis, goodbye, and we looked at our house. My mom usually greets us at the door, but she didn't do that this day. We both called out, Mom, no answer. My sister and I went around the back, unlocked, and opened the back door. We set our Easter baskets on the kitchen floor and stepped into the house. We heard footsteps in our house. We looked at each other, and we took a step back and ran to the front of the house. My gr- sister grabbed her Easter basket, and mine stayed on the kitchen floor. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we sat in the front of the house waiting for Mom to get home. My stomach was growling, and my sister was sitting next to me, eating away with her candy. That's what I was saying. She left her candy. She never shared and was very stingy. (laughs) I told her, can you give me some of your candy? She said, no. I should have known better. I then threatened her. Well, if you don't give me some of yours, I'll go get mine. And if they take me, it's your fault. Oh, nice. (laughs) She then said, here. She offered me some of her candy, which was very unusual. But she probably offered her like the gross candy that you get. Oh, like... Like circus um, peanuts. Oh God! I was Ew. thinking like whoppers, but circus peanuts are gross too. Or those black and white, or uh, black and orange candies for Halloween yes. that are covered in wax paper. Ooh. Oh, I was thinking of those um, eggs you get at that Easter that the are Cadbury. Like, no, the ones that are kind of like circus peanuts, but they're like Easter eggs. Peeps, and they're chewy. Ooh, I don't know those. Ones. They're disgusting. Oh uh, yeah, but, <laughs> but <anyway>. I digress. <laughs> Okay, she offered me some of her candy, which was very unusual. We finished her entire basket of candies. (laughs) I was stuffed. She was stuffed, and we waited. No sign of mom, and no more noises in the house. We can usually hear if a car is approaching because there were hardly any that would pass by. We were bored, playing with the rappers. Then I heard a female high-pitched tune coming from my left and going towards my right. Oh, shit. It said my sister's name. (gasps) Nobody was there. What was her sister's name? It doesn't say Oh, okay, I hope it was something really... Gertrude. Dang. Yeah, Gert. <laughs> <laughs> no person to go along with a lady calling my sister's name. Weird. I was tired. I didn't want it to ignore it this time. I looked at my sister and I asked, did you hear that? <laughs> she ignored me for a second and said, if you heard it, then what did it say? I asked her, how do you even know it said something? Oh. We both got goosebumps and then I told her, it said your name. We both scooted next to each other and were side to side. No space whatsoever. Then we both heard my name. It came from the right to the left, carrying the same tune. Octavia. Uh, Octavia and Gertrude. (laughs) We waited until my mom arrived. Once she got there, we both felt at ease. We never told her a word. We just kept our not normal experiences to ourselves. (laughs) Ten years passed. This memory crept up on me. My sister moved up north, and I was still in Uvalde, Texas, attending school. I called her the night I remember this. I asked her, did this really happen? She said yes. 
She remembered where we were sitting. We both reminisced on the many times we used to go play out in the woods and hear my mom scream out our names. But once we got to the house, my mom would say, I didn't call you. Oh. And that's her story. Wow, creepy. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good Easter story. <laughs> yeah. Given some chills. Yeah, I, I, I kind of I dig that. <laughs> have you ever heard your name called? Not in bed. Oh, I was about to say, yes, I have. <laughs> I meant like this in some way. Oh, never. Have you? Um, I can't remember. Obviously, it didn't leave an impact on me. I was going to say. If, it, if I can't remember. Cristobal. So. Whatever. Hello, friends. I'm Taya. And I'm Sammy. And we're the hosts of the Offbeat Worm Podcast. Come check us out. We talk about so many things. Spooky things, silly things, and everything in between. Find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. And we'll catch you on the offbeat. See you soon. Well, All right. All right. Okay, so <laughs> for my second story... <laughs> I'm going to You're going to die and resurrect? <laughs> yeah. Well done. That's my story. Did you know that? <laughs> no. I'm going to be talking about something called... People may have heard of this, but it's called the Lazarus Syndrome. Okay, so it starts off with this. Ready? It's intense. Is it the say is the Lazarus effect, or is there a movie called the Lazarus? Uh, oh, effect? there is one. Yeah, oh, okay. I don't know if it is or not. Let's we'll right. see. But it starts off with this: her heart had stopped beating, and she was no longer breathing. Mm. Janina Kalkowitz was declared dead at ninety-one years old. She had lived a long life. Yeah, no shit. But you know what? She was not about to stop living it. Eleven hours later. She awoke in the hospital mortuary with a craving for tea and pancakes. 11 hours. As inconceivable as it sounds, she is one of just many people said to have risen from the dead. In 2014, a 78-year-old man from Mississippi was declared dead after a hospice nurse found him with no pulse. The next day, he woke up in a body bag at the morgue. What? Can you imagine? Like, no. you die, or like you just go to sleep one night and you wake up and you're in a body bag. And no. you're like, ugh. That is shit well, out I mean, of movies. I mean, this was this how long ago did it say? 2014 that was that one. Oh, okay. Why? I'm just saying, like, back in the day, 1800s or so, when they would, like, bury people oh yeah even thinking that they died so that, so finally they started putting a bell, bell that connects into that that you would ring if you're alive doesn't yeah. it have a name or something that's where the saying the girt bell rings a bell comes from ah that rings a, is that really mm-hmm. oh oh that's so cool or saved yeah. by the bell sorry comes from that oh saying. saved by the bell yeah oh that makes more sense mm-hmm. oh both of them actually make sense yeah um but I think back then they had so little scientific ways of proving death. How about putting a mirror under their nose? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like checking for a pulse. Yeah. But could you imagine? 11 hours is so crazy. So these are undoubtedly extraordinary stories that sound more suited to a horror movie. But yeah. there is a real world name for such cases. The Lazarus Syndrome. <laughs> oh my God, there's like a little bug almost flew in my mouth. <laughs> Wow, this story is short. Um, The Lazarus phenomenon or Lazarus syndrome is defined as a delayed return of spontaneous circulation after CPR has ceased. In other words, patients who are pronounced dead after cardiac arrest experience a completely impromptu return of cardiac activity. How? Well, I get into it in my debunk a little bit. 
But the syndrome is named after Lazarus of Bethany, yeah. who, according to the New Testament of the Bible, was brought back to life by Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that I had forgotten was mm-hmm. Jesus brought him back from the dead four days after his death. Oh, wow. And I remember now reading the story in the Bible that, like, he stank. Like, he was already rotting, like, Gross. four days, and Jesus still brought him back. Yeah. So hopefully he took a nice shower after that. Since 1982. Since showers was so prevalent oh, during biblical then. times. <laughs> like, go, go to the Red Sea. Yeah. And then it parts because it doesn't want to touch him. <laughs> yeah. That's how it happened. Since 1982, when the Lazarus phenomenon was first described in medical literature. Actually, I think that's crazy that it's that recent. 1982. So on yeah, your 30th so birthday... The Lazarus effect becomes a thing. What, whatever. But either way, since both of us have been alive, this is this has come about. That's weird. So what? They just thought people were dead again. They buried them alive. Yeah, they were buried previously. alive. And there are different cases. And their whole the thing is, I don't think I did a whole lot of stories because there's so many. We could do an episode. Yeah. Sometimes it's 15 minutes after they died. You know, 10 but minutes. Still, 11 but still, 11 hours? 11, yeah. Sometimes they wake up in a body bag. But since 1982, when it was first described in medical literature, there have been at least 38 reported cases. And by Christians, they are all seen as miracles. Mm-hmm. And I will get into a little bit more explanation on what it could be when we get into debunk. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Definitely could be an episode. And definitely we, we need to watch The Lazarus Effect because apparently it's about a medical researcher and their team uh, have achieved the impossible. They have found a way to revive the dead. So they go through all these experience, experiments and reviving people. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Is it horror? Um, thriller. Thriller, okay. Yeah. All right. So next, my story. <laughs> um this has a gigantic content warning. So if you are not good with talk of self-harm and brutal murder, um, now maybe a pause for the next at least eight minutes or so. Okay. So here I go. Do it. For the second story, I'm talking about an incident known as the Easter Sunday Massacre that took place in Hamilton, Ohio. The story starts with a James Urban Rupert. He grew up in an abusive home often called a mistake by his mother as she said she wanted a daughter and his father was also very violent and paid no attention to the kids gross at the age of 12 james james's father died and his older brother being the eldest took over as head of the family james was bullied a lot by his brother as he grew up he didn't have a lot of friends he was also a small in stature for his age which eventually would lead him to attempt to take his own life at the age of 16 by hanging, um, which obviously did not, he did not succeed, thankfully. But I don't know, thankfully or not, that doesn't matter. You, you be the judge. I'm not judging. <laughs> You'll see why. Oh, God. As he grew up, uh, James resented his brother and became jealous more and more as his brother seemed to have it all. He had a degree. He had a job. He had a wife, all these things. While James, at the age of 41, was single, unemployed, and living at home with his mother. Oh, God. So time has passed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who And then his mother, who continuously threatened to kick him out of the house as well. So this horribly abusive woman... He's living with her until he's in his 40s? Yep. Oh, God. Yep. James became depressed because of his mother's continuous threats and one night went out to a bar as he did almost every night. There, he told an employee that he was frustrated with his mom's demands and possible eviction and said that he, quote, needed to solve the problem, unquote. James left the bar for a bit, coming back a couple hours later. Upon his return, the same employee asked if he had solved his problem, which James replied, quote, no, not yet, unquote. 
The next day, on Easter Sunday, March 30th, 1975, James' brother, his wife, and their eight kids were at James and his mom's house uh, celebrating the holiday. Eight kids? Yeah. Oh, shit. It's also 1975, so. That's not that long ago. Oh. It's only the year I was born. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> James had slept the day off from the bender the night before and didn't wake up until 4 p.m. that afternoon. Oh, shit. When he woke up, he loaded four guns and went downstairs where he first entered the kitchen. There, he first shot and killed his brother, his sister-in-law, and then his mother. After that, he turned his gun on one nephew and two nieces. Ugh. He then went into the living room where the other kids were playing and also murdered them. All of them? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. These atrocities would take him a total of five minutes to complete. In those five minutes, James fired a total of 35 rounds, murdering 11 people in total. Damn. There were some signs leading up to this incident. <laughs> a month before, oh my God. James was buying ammunition and asked about gun silencers during the transaction. He began to show signs of mental decline. The night before the murders, James was seen engaging in target practice along the river. After the vicious murders, James sat in the house for three hours, then called the police saying, quote, there's been a shooting, unquote. James waited inside the house for the authorities. The police described the scene as a slaughterhouse and said that there was so much blood that it was dripping through the floorboards into the basement. Ugh. It was later said that some of the stains could not be removed from the floor. This sick massacre made national headlines, as you would think. James was arrested and charged with 11 counts of aggravated homicide. Through the whole process, James was extremely uncooperative, but said he planned to plead guilt insanity. It was thought that he wanted to plead insanity in order to be able to inherit the money from the family after he'd be committed and be quote-unquote cured, you know? Oh, yeah. The trial was originally going to be held in Hamilton, his city, but was considered a mistrial because it was thought he could not get a fair trial in his home city. Uh, as a result, the trial was moved to another city. After that, after a trial that lasted around a month, James received 11 consecutive life sentences. Eight years later, in 1982, James appealed and was given a new trial. His defense attorney brought forth the insanity plea. In that trial, trial he was found guilty on two accounts of first-degree murder, but not guilty of the other nine by reasons of insanity. Hmm. In that trial, he received two life sentences for each guilty count to be served consecutively. In 1995. Well, how else could you serve it? Like, can, like serve one life sentence and you get just, a, a five-year break? It's like, and then you go back and serve the other? It's legal jargon. It, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just how they say life sentence that doesn't mean his whole life. Yeah, There's true. specific years, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, in 1995, James was granted a hearing for release, which was denied. In, then in 2015, another hearing was granted, but he was again denied release. James remains alive and incarcerated in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, shit. He is scheduled for another hearing in February 2025 when he will be 90 years old. As for the house, a year after the incident, the house was reopened to the public. Some people who had bought the house sold it after claiming they were hearing voices and other strange noises, as well as lights going on and off, door slamming, and so on. The house still stands today and from what I hear and read is currently still occupied. As for the 11 victims, they are buried in Arlington Memorial Garden in Cincinnati, Ohio. Despite how James was treated by his family, there's never an excuse for mur murdering anyone, much less 11 people. So this is a memory to the 11 victims murdered so brutally 47 years ago on Easter morning. Charity, Leonard Jr., Alma, Leonard III, Michael, Thomas, Carol, Anne, 
David, Teresa, and John. May their souls be at rest. Alma. Wow. That is an unbelievable story. So he was found guilty of two counts. So basically the mom and the brother who basically tormented him, they're like, you're guilty because we know that you're bitter. But then the other kids is insanity because you had no reason. Yeah. Okay. I don't know or if nine. that's how, yeah. Whew, that's crazy. I told you. Man, poor Happy Alma. Happy Easter. <laughs> well, it's time for new life. Wait. Yeah. I don't know what that meant. Okay. Believer skeptic, ready for some debunk? Yeah. You actually kind of skirted around the the debunk that I have for the Passover. And I'll tell you why. Because I found this really interesting article from a Jewish writer. And in it, he was discussing the question, does it matter if that whole story of Passover and Exodus isn't literally true? Meaning, what if it didn't happen exactly the way the Bible said? It's not this big miracle. Like, mm-hmm. what if it actually can be explained by such a thing as this volcanic eruption, right? Well, some people like my mom would say it doesn't matter. As long as it happened, it doesn't matter how. God is mysterious and God could have caused this volcanic eruption to happen. That could have been God's will. God works in mysterious ways. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. So, you know, science and religion kind of coexisting, you know, and to me that makes sense if it were true. But this writer is vehemently against it. Did I pronounce it? Vehemently? Vehemently? Okay. Yeah. So he said, yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> he said, yes, it does matter if the Passover story is literally true. It absolutely matters because if the story is true, then a God who works miracles really exists. It matters if there is such a God or not. Christians and Jews believe in a God mm-hmm. who works miracles. So to them, the story must be made up of actual miracles and this is my own words, and not scientifically explained incidences. And that's just like me believing in, you know, psychics or ghosts or anything like that. You know, it's real to me, so mm-hmm. it's real. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's where, it, regardless of how it happens, but this, he's saying these have to be miracles mm-hmm. for us to believe in a Christian or Jewish God. Yeah. Which I think is so interesting. Now, the Lazarus effect. Yeah. Some researchers suggest that the phenomenon may be down to a pressure buildup in the chest caused by CPR. They say that once CPR is ceased, this pressure may gradually release and then kickstart the heart back into action. That is so weird. Isn't that wild? Another theory is the delayed action of medication used as part of resuscitation um, efforts, such as adrenaline. Mm-hmm. You know, so these can you know, start releasing over time and bring the person back to life. However, because there are so few cases of Lazarus syndrome, because if you look since 1980, there are 38 cases. That's only like one a year. Yeah. You know, so that's not very many. Uncovering- so it's a, a rare condition. Yeah, it's yeah. This rarely a rare happens. Occurrence. Yeah, a rare yeah. condition. <laughs> I had a case of Lazarus effect, <laughs> <laughs> but uncovering the exact mechanisms behind the condition is naturally tricky. Mm-hmm. But that, but I think the thing about building up that pressure because the pressure releases and it almost does like another compression. Yeah, that yeah. is fascinating. All right, time for some believer. Uh, so for believers, since the murder was exactly that, yeah, I do thought, you believe in the murder? <laughs> I thought I would look at my first story. In it, a girl and her sister both hear something or someone call one of their names or call both their names. In a blog, I read the writer has a similar experience in which her uh, her name is called, which spawned a memory of her uh, abuela. Her abuela warned her to never respond to a whisper of your name when no one is there. According to Filipino legend, the writer's grandmother told her that those who answer their name are 
called back home, meaning their spiritual home, you know? There are a number of theories, but this is the one I think is interesting and being a spiritual uh, person, also believable to me. The writer of the blog states her husband was also warned of something similar by his mother never to answer a voice saying your name if it comes from behind you is that is that as it could be a spirit. The writer goes on to say something I can agree with, uh, quote, for those who believe there is a spiritual realm, this resonates as more of a valid answer as to where the voice came from. I believe that if someone hears their name called uh, or a voice uttering something, they have tapped into a frequency, which is the spiritual realm. Unquote. Wow. So next time you hear your name being whispered and no one is there, think twice before you respond. Wow. Okay. So she says that thing, if you hear a voice behind you, I'm like, if I'm by myself and, you hear and I hear my you? name, I don't give a fuck where it comes from. <laughs> behind, be underneath, yeah. I don't be, care. I could fart it. Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> I would still be scared. Oh, my God. So uh, Creep of the Week. Uh-huh. Uh, so this Creep of the Week is an, East, is an Easter tradition that we have failed to mention that goes well with my Easter massacre story, actually. Oh, great. <laughs> In Norway, there is an Easter tradition called Poaskerim, in which during the holiday, Norwegians watch true crime movies or read true crime books. Really? This tradition began when, in the early 1920s, two young authors co-wrote and published a true crime novel. Then on Holy Saturday of 1923, they ran a front-page ad in the paper with a book's title that many readers believed to be a true story. This publicity stunt get, uh, garnered so much attention that the novel became a bestseller. Holy and, shit. And spawned the tradition of Poaskerim. Giving me some marketing ideas for my books. Yeah. Holy crap. Since that time, publishers in Norway, Norway schedule new mystery and true crime titles to release to coincide with Easter. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So like the title of the book looked like a headline, so everybody believed that it was... Real. I wonder if people would believe that there is a gay teen who <laughs> defeated a siren. <laughs> National Enquirer, maybe. <laughs> Hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> or what is it? The the the, the one in the UK. Um, the uh, the sun, the star, the moon. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, that was crazy. Uh, I loved all the variety. That was fun. Yeah. And some really good stories. Yeah. The yeah, all of them were completely different. We talked about death. We talked about life. We talked about murder. We talked about moira. <laughs> Yeah, it's been interesting. So, so all right, guys, thank you everybody for listening as usual. Like I said, this will be out here um, this week, and then a couple of weeks you'll have a little, just uh, longer discussion as to what we're doing over the next few months, and then one more Minnesota and episode after that, and then we'll see what happens beyond that. Yeah, but if it uh, does end up being the. <laughs> The quote unquote, the end will obviously make some kind of statement before that, but we're really hoping it doesn't, but just life is crazy right now. And we'll explain that. Um, but anyways, in the meantime, thank you for listening to us. You know where to find us on all the podcatchers. Uh, if you have any stories, you can email us at bspodphx at gmail.com. Find us on social media, even though it's been pretty dead for the last month or so, but yeah, um, at, at bspodphx. <laughs> Yay. And then my books, The Gay Teen's Guide to Defeating a Siren, as always, will and will always be available on Amazon. But I'm just, I'm enough of the book because this is about the <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But that was a really fun episode. We hope you all enjoyed it. Um, it might be fun. Chime in with some of your favorite memories and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, like let us, like, let's have a little interaction. I think that would be really fun. That we yeah. Can tie and we'll and, still um, be available. So always 
don't hesitate to reach out to us no matter what. Always, so. always, always. And so we hope everyone, however you celebrate or don't celebrate Easter, we hope you have a lovely day. If you have any stories or anything that you want to share, let us know because you never know whenever we come back, we might be sharing them and all that. Yeah. And with that, everybody, bye. bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.